0: So today we're here and we're talking about an interesting topic, I think, and it's one that I think is actually going to be easy for us to understand hard for us to live, hard for us to actually do. And that is this thing of this title even of reconciliation, not revenge. If you have your Bible, start turning there to, to Romans 12, 17 to 21. Uh, and as we think about this passage, it talks about revenge and payback and these sorts of, of things. I, you know, I, I can't help but think about pranks, pranks that we play on people. I know I've had some pranks done to me. It was like the, the night before our first daughter was born and I was working in youth ministry here and then a bunch of friendly wonderful kids came and decided to you know toilet paper and put boxes of of paper blocking our door and you know all those sorts of just things where you just when they do that and you're mm, I am going to destroy you right you just you have this this anger that builds up maybe sometimes maybe it's uh it's fun and maybe it, sometimes it's maybe not as healthy now uh you know i don't know how you are but even with driving tends to bring out for me a lot of uh sort of unhealthy things i mean i even saw on instagram this morning someone talking about how they someone was too close to them and they did a brake check and uh that's like they just like oh brake check like to see if the person would run into them right and that's sort of a real vengeful act that they would do i wasn't just looking in their direction at all but uh you know I, know for me, like sometimes driving, I could just, uh, I, when I get cut off, I'll even say to be like, I have to teach them a lesson, you know? And it's like, no, no, no. She's like, you don't have to teach them a lesson. Just drive. Like, we're, be safe here, please. But there's something, I think, in us that wants to, to do that, at least in me. Now, with the, with the fun pranks, there's this uh, series of pranks, uh, online that there's these videos of these sort of prank wars. Like one guy wanted to be a stand-up comic. And so he went up to do some stand-up comedy, and his friend had previously told the whole group, uh, of the crowd, to not make any noise at all except for occasionally say mean things to him. And this guy just left, just crushed, you know? And so then that guy does another prank back to him where he says, okay, hey he somehow just does this whole thing where this guy's going to get to be on a TV show, and he's all excited, and he goes, and he does this whole thing, but they just say how horrible he is, and they don't want to use him. They actually want to use his friend, but then the whole thing's just fake, and it's a prank. So then the guy wants to get him back, and his boy, this, this guy and this girl, they go to a Yankees game. A boyfriend, girlfriend, they're at a Yankees game, and his friend had staged this whole thing where he had up on the big screen, it says... Uh, will you marry me? Love Streeter. That was like the guy's name was Streeter. Will you marry me to his girlfriend? And she stands up and is all excited and says yes. And he's like, no, 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 no. This, I don't, I don't know about this, right? Like, this, I did not do this. And she slaps him and leaves. And they actually ended up breaking up. I mean, it's crazy. This is pranking gone too far. You see this cycle of revenge that happens? I want you to see. Then this is the next one in that series of pranks. You can check it out up here on the screen. One lucky fan is always dragged out on court. He's given the opportunity to take some impossible shot to win a ton of money. Well, what if that fan were a mirror? What if he made that shot and it was worth half a million dollars? And what if we saw him be told it was all fake seconds later and be embarrassed in front of 18,000 people? Wouldn't that be fun? I think that'd be fun. So guys, I just got word. In his seat. He's sitting next to a mutual friend of ours, Neil Janowitz. Now, Neil my accomplice and uh, invited Amir down. Neil's an ESPN writer and he said he had to cover this game for the magazine. And to get Amir to come with him as a little added incentive, he promised Amir he was going to rig it so that he would get picked to take this half court shot. Congratulations to our lucky winner. Please stay in your seat. <laughs> you look good, though. <laughs> in a couple minutes, he's going to come out here and try to make a blindfolded half-court shot for half a million dollars. So whether or not that ball goes in, I need you guys to scream and cheer at me I know what you mean to come out here watch this whole game. One blindfolded shot for $500,000. That's straight in front of you, half-court, half 5 seconds? So that's pretty brutal. Instantly, he knows though, instantly upon seeing his face, he knows. So these guys, you know, just getting each other, then the next one was he went, one of them went skydiving, another guy went skydiving, pulls the ripcord, nothing happens. You know? And uh, so it just was getting a little bit out of control. But you see, where when you get into these prank things, I don't know if you've gotten into something like that with a with a friend, but I'm kind of wimpy about pranking, honestly. I just sort of like, okay, we're good. You got me. Can we just be done? You know? Uh, so, because it just gets worse and worse. But in this passage, we learn a bit just why revenge, why the cycle of revenge is a bad thing. So let's look at 17 to 21. It says, Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it's written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head." Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we joke around about all of the, the prank things, but we know that there's real, there's, there's real life that happens in this and we all want to get revenge, but I think this passage really tells us that revenge is ruled out and instead we're supposed to find creative, you know, ways that would just be totally surprising new ways of dealing with our enemies, dealing with those who persecute us or who come against us or have wronged us in some way in our life. Because revenge is not our job. Your job is not revenge. That's God's job, it says, right? You're not God. So don't try to do God's job. Let Him handle those sorts of things. And this is, it doesn't mean the, like the absence of, of uh, even righteous anger, but even I think with righteous anger, when there's an injustice, it's not your job to take revenge upon people, okay? That's God's job. Sort of that machine gun preacher sort of thing. If you've seen or heard about that story where this guy just gets his own revenge upon people who do things that are wrong. And uh, so I think the question is then, when there's evil, when people have wronged us, what are we going to do about it, right? What are we going to do about it? But I think that Paul, would, he would turn this a little bit and he would say, what has God already done about it? Because I think that we see the way we're supposed to do this through the example of Christ. As he says back in Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, right? While we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, while we were our lives completely against God, even then... Christ died for us. That is when his sacrificial love was displayed ultimately. That that display of love and kindness and grace and mercy upon us, when we were an enemy of God, is when he displayed that. So for us, when we display, uh, you know, sacrificial love is really towards our enemies, towards those who have wronged us. We can do that in an incredible way. And what, what happens is, is like this whole thing, like even with the prank, just kind of a joke with it, but for reals, when it comes to revenge, it goes just over and over. It's this cycle of revenge that takes place. I mean, ask any family that lived in Northern Ireland or the Middle East or even in some uh, urban communities with gangs and, and just that cycle of revenge coming against one another, like where just a, an atrocity will be done, and so therefore another atrocity must be done. And another horrific uh, like murder or whatever it is committed over and over, and it just keeps going, and it keeps getting worse and worse. And they think that the solution is to just hit harder, right? So your enemy doesn't get up, essentially. But Christ has flipped this all, right? He's flipped this all upside down. It It really genuinely was... An eye for an eye. But Jesus says, no, 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 I've come to, to show you a new way. To turn the other cheek is different, right? I, I've come to show you that that's not how it is anymore. Not an eye for an eye. Now, you got to think about what this is like for the people that actually lived in Rome and actually read this letter. Now, what does that mean for them to have been persecuted? In verse 14, it says, bless those who persecute you, Right? So think about Rome. Think about things like your friend being thrown to the lions, right? And that's the one that you are supposed to bless. Think about a street lined with crosses and people crucified along the street, along the way that you could see people that you would know, your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what this passage is talking about. That's the original intent. And so for us, yeah, we want to make some applications, but you know, the person that gossips about you, not really the same. Okay. That's a different level of intensity. So yeah, we need to act in the same way, but we got to remember what this is really talking about. This is a big deal for these people. And that's what makes this, this challenge that Paul's laying out for them so intense and so incredible. And it's, it's honestly to me what makes the scriptures so worthwhile and, and, Life-changing for us to read these sorts of thoughts of the way we would live, to bless those who persecute you, to, you know, to to love our enemies, to do kind things for them. Like, what? That's crazy. This, This book of writings from God to us of how we would live is really just a total you know world earth shattering set of of beliefs for us and and practices of living and that 's what I love about it and that 's what 's so great for us to commit our lives to living this sort of life that God would have us do so uh, you know so you don 't get to take revenge that 's not your job. That's God's job. Now, the next part is for us to see is, do your part to be at peace with everyone. And you can see uh, verse 18 there where it says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So first of all, you can even see with the if possible, it recognizes there's going to be times where this is not possible. Right? There's going to be people that you're not going to be able to reconcile with. There's going to be circumstances where you can't. I mean, where if these guys, if they felt you know, Caesar has wronged them, they're not going to be able to get a little face-to-face. Hey, could we have coffee? You know, real quick, Caesar. You know, I, you've really kind of bummed me out a little bit. Like, can we work this out? You know, that, that for them, that wasn't going to happen. If possible, be at peace with all men. Now, uh, for them, uh, though, that was really different. For us, we can, I think, even relate to this part more. If possible, you do your part. You can't control what other people do. Okay, in all of this, when we think of revenge, when we think of reconciliation, you can't control what they do. You can control what you do. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see, I think, reconciliation really happens. So this verse is saying, like, focus on that. Focus on what you can do. And I think even a lot of people can't come to this point of forgiveness or come to points of healing in their lives because they're so worried about what the other person is doing. But here, focus on what you can do. Our part. Our part is to forgive. Our part is to show love. But we have this sort of built-in, I think, desire for revenge. And I think it's a culture-fed thing. Even as you see, you know, when you think of movies, you think of uh, just different, like, TV shows or whatever that we would watch. And, I mean, it is the thing that we think that we should do, okay? I mean, you think, Gladiator like, Gladiator's one of them. I mean, the whole thing is his family is, is all, they're all killed and the whole thing's a giant story of revenge, you know? And, and so, and, and, I, and I watch it, and I cheer, and I'm excited when he gets revenge, right? And, and so, like, what is that doing in us? And I think that even the people that we place as heroes, they're heroic, but really I think forgiveness is what takes true heroism, okay? The true hero is the one that can forgive, the true hero is the one that's able to to get there to that point. And we're going to be able to talk about some cool stories today with that in a little while. But it's hard. You know, we don't want to let go a lot of times of that bitterness, of that desire to get back at someone. And it's kind of like we hold it as ammunition, but really it just continues to hurt yourself. That's That's what happens. You hold on to that anger, you hold on to that resentment and bitterness to think that I'm going to finally use all that to lash out against that person, when really that's what's killing you. There's a quote that's kind of gone around a few different people, but uh, I like the Nelson Mandela context here. That he he said, "Resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies." You know that you're gonna just you're gonna take this and think, ah, now. Now you're dead, you know, but it's killing you. That's what resentment does. That's what holding on to that bitterness, that anger, that desire to get back. And this was a guy that had, uh, you know, he was accused of, of crimes he didn't commit and all sorts. You know, you know the story for the most part. But uh, for him, I think that's where you can see this quote really ringing true. And so for us, that's what we want to have this sense. Okay, I'm going to do my part. I'm not going to worry about what they do. I'm not going to hold bitterness or anger, or whatever that is in me, because I know that's not even going to help me anyways. And so we want to do our part to be at peace with people. Uh, and then, so, so how, right? So how do we do this? We, we display love to our enemies. So let's look uh, again at, at 14, 20, and 21, just to remind us. 14, again, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 20, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him and if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so you, you, know, I think an initial question here is, like, who are my enemies? Do I really have enemies? You might even think, like, I don't have enemies. What do you mean? Like, I don't, I don't know. I just don't have this sort of world with enemies in it, but maybe you Maybe you feel like you got tons of enemies. I'm not sure how you feel with that. But really, it's anyone who has wronged you, I think, is the way you want to think about this. Anyone who has done some sort of wrong against you. I mean, this could be an ex-spouse or an ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, a boss who's treated you poorly people you just disagree with, some sort of social rival, someone who's treated your kid poorly or someone else that you love or care about poorly or someone who's accused you of something you didn't do. You know, whatever that might be. Someone that has wronged you in some way. And this person then, here, we think of as our enemy. Okay. Now, can you forgive someone who isn't even sorry for what they've done? Can you forgive someone who isn't even sorry for what they've done, you know, and you think about, I want you to even start thinking about what, you know, what, where has this taking place in my life? Who's someone that is kind of in this category for me? What's a, something that's happened to me that's, that's along these lines? Because true reconciliation is, is hard in this circumstance. When someone doesn't even, you know, they aren't even willing to admit it or aren't even willing to say that they're sorry. But this is where we are called, To go out of our way, to display love, to display acts of kindness in some way that is so, I mean, this is such a radical thing to think about. Loving your enemy, doing something nice even for someone who has committed a a wrong against you in some way. And then it it talks about it as it will be like heaping burning coals on their head. You know, you're like, that's right i going to burn your heads, you know, all of you enemies with my niceness. And, uh, you know, it's just weird. And, and so, like, where does this even come from? So this is quoting, usually, you know, when you see the all caps, this is quoting Proverbs 25, 21 to 22. If your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If your enemy's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you'll heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you, it says, Now, what I want you to see is a little bit, and you can turn there and look at even more context if you want, but with a little bit more context, if you even look back just one verse to verse 20, okay? So this is right before that whole heaping burning coals thing. It says, like one who takes off a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar on soda, is he who sings songs to a troubled heart. Okay, so, you know, it's odd imagery for us a little bit, but you've got these physical images of an emotional reaction, okay? Physical images of emotional reactions where, okay, so if like someone takes off your coat and it's cold, you're like, ah, it's freezing. What are you doing, right? You know, or, and and the sing songs to a troubled heart, it's not like singing a nice, you know, comforting song. It is well with my soul. I mean, it's singing, you know, some sort of happy, you know, happy-go-lucky song when something really, truly um, sad has happened to this person. They're like, be quiet, I can't hear that. It's just, it's aggravating, okay? But it provokes them in some way. And so it's kind of like this, this provoking. And even this, uh, this whole thing of the burning coals, uh, is kind of more of like stoking that fire that has coals that just need to be kind of, you know, stoked to come back up to flame. That it's this, this sense of provoking someone, okay? These, these displays of kindness that you would do to, to feed an enemy that's, hungry or or give them water to drink these things are things that would hopefully provoke and spark them towards remorse in some way kind of awareness of the situation and to remorse about it and then reconciliation can come out of that that's what we'd hope for okay and so that's what like where we can move towards with these sorts of of kind things now um This is an interesting quote, I think. Uh, Be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. This is a quote, by the way, that's been attributed to a lot of different people, but this is the actual guy. I actually did a lot of work to look at that, so I want you to know it. Okay. (laughs) But, uh, (laughs) uh, But this quote, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle, that there is this this sense that we are only thinking about ourselves, right? We are only thinking about our own stories and our own battles, our own struggles that we are in the midst of. But when we stop and even consider our enemies, what is going on in their heart? What is going on in their mind, in their story, in their battle? I want us to just check out this this uh, video. It's actually a, a Chick-fil-A training video that kind of helped them learn how to treat customers well because of what we're just talking about right now. So check it out. You see how when we're thinking about people who've wronged us, that that their their life has a story too, right? Or that kid that's acting out, or that teenager that's a punk, or that person that bumps into you and you're walking by them and they don't care, you know? What's going on? You know, you get mad. Why'd you bump into me? You start to get mad. What's going on in their story? You know? Stop and think about that. To stop and think about even what is going on in that person who's wronged you? What's going on in their heart? What's going on in the, the battle that they're fighting in their life? And so then, rather than you you know, talking trash about them to everyone you know, rather than you sort of just having this bitterness and anger towards them and and just treating this person with disdain or even writing them off, maybe we ask some questions maybe we begin to, to pray for them and care about whatever's going on in their story. I mean, this is tough, you guys. I'm not saying that I got this figured out. I'm just kind of saying what the Bible says here, you know? <laughs> for real. Like, this is hard. This is hard to do. It's easy to understand, very hard to actually do. To step back and consider that person's story. Because when we refuse to take revenge and and we ask the Spirit to really help us with it, it's like we're also refusing to allow our own lives, even our future lives, to be determined by the evil that someone else does to you, right? We're not going to let that evil overcome us. We're going to overcome that evil with good. And so then we begin to change it from a cycle of revenge to a cycle of reconciliation. That How can we see where it's been cycling revenge, 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 revenge... Let's be someone a cycle breaker. Break that cycle and reconcile, forgive, display kindness when kindness is not deserved and then begin to start something fresh, something new. This is the heart of Christ. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, that he gave himself. He took the weight of the sin of the world at the height of evil. He took the weight of that sin upon himself. Okay, that's the kind of Christ-like sacrificial love that we are called to display. And so as we do that, we think, okay, what can we do? We can pray, is one. We can pray for these people. And I think as we pray for them, it's, we're, we're kind of, our heart is being shaped differently as well. We can also forgive forgiving people who don't deserve to be forgiven is difficult. But there's some incredible stories out there of people who have done this. One is even a story of this guy that went to this Amish school. This was about four years ago. This guy went into this Amish school and just shot a bunch of kids. Shot 10 kids and killed five little girls. And it's just senseless. And then he kills himself, you know. And then you just think, "Oh, the lack of justice, right? And you're, this anger that builds up. What was so amazing is that this Amish community, they really publicly and forgave him. They went to the, uh, they went to the burial service, to his burial service of the one that murdered their children, and they hugged the widow, and they hugged the children of this guy. They gave money to start a fund to help his kids. You know, I mean, that's an incredible display, an act like this of forgiveness and of love even to an enemy uh, in this situation. And there was, uh, they even, but it didn't mean that everything went away, but it helped. They actually even uh, got therapy, some of these Amish uh, folks, which I didn't even know that they would, but they do. And uh, this, the guy that was their therapist said this, because uh, the Amish can express, at least these Amish people can express that forgiveness and because they hold no grudges, they're better able to concentrate on the work of their own healing. You know? Because they're like, again, less worried about what the other person is doing and has done and really trying to say, okay, what's my role? What can I do? So we forgive. It's an, a display of forgiveness. Another cool story um, well, with, this, with this forgiveness is just thinking as we consider what are ways that we can display acts of kindness. The first is that this whole thing we talked about, you can't make people reconcile but you can offer reconciliation right you can do what you can do so you offer reconciliation you you offer your forgiveness and maybe even a chance to meet and talk about it or whatever that might be that doesn't mean they'll take you up on it but you can offer a uh, uh, kind of a crazy story with all of this is a story that happened to Victor Estrada our uh, our worship pastor right victor strada uh a few years ago he was trying to sell his xbox on craigslist okay so he was uh going to sell his xbox just get rid of it uh make get a little extra cash whatever and so he does and they've got the whole meet and he's trying to do it and he, he in this safe like kind of public place and then uh then this whole thing happened where it was kind of ended up being a little bit down the street at this park and he went to exchange with this guy he'd been emailing with. It was actually his girlfriend went to do the exchange. So he's talking to her and, uh, everything's fine. He goes to get the Xbox out of the car. And as he turns around, there's a gun in his face. And, uh, the, the guy that he'd been emailing with has a gun right to his face. It's from Victor, right here, right? And, and the guy's just, give me your keys, give me your phone, give me the Xbox okay, you know. So the guy does, and he actually just kind of runs off and chucks the keys really, really far away, and then takes the phone and the Xbox and bails. So Victor's obviously in shock. He goes, grabs his keys, and he's driving around, and he's kind of looking for them. He's just, you know, just kind of like a pumped, like in an adrenaline flow, kind of scared and angry and, and all of that. And then as he he actually then went to the police department. He didn't have a phone, so he couldn't call. He went to the police department, filed his report, and then uh, went home that night. And he realizes, like, I wonder if, you know, when you're doing Craigslist, you have to have an email address in there. He's like, I wonder if I wonder what this guy would even, if this is like a real email address or whatever, this guy would check it again. And he sits down, he's like, I'm going to write an email just destroying this guy, you know, just spewing all of the hatred and anger in my heart upon him. And then as he sits down and begins to type, he thinks, No, that's not what I want to email. That's not what I'm going to email. And let me read to you what he emails. It's pretty incredible. Uh, He says, got the printouts here of them. He says, hey, bro. He starts it with bro. The guy who just stuck a gun in his face. But, um, hey, bro, I debated whether I should send this email and wondered if you'd ever even get it. If you do ever read this, I just want you to know I forgive you. It wasn't fun having a gun stuck in my face or being tricked like that, but I forgive you. I hope you're able to enjoy that system and the phone, or I hope you get what you need as far as selling it, if that's what you end up doing. You must have needed it much more than I did to pull something like that off. I was telling your friend or your girlfriend that I'm a pastor at a church here in Santa Ana. I'm sure you could find that out easily by looking through the phone. I know this is pretty unusual and that I should be pretty upset, and there's probably no way in heck that I should be writing you an email, but to be completely honest... Um, Uh, I just wonder about you and who you are and why you feel you got to do things like what you did tonight. Just know that I don't know who you are, I don't know anything about you, but I'm going to be praying for you for the rest of my life. I promise you. I'm not going to hold this against you. Um, I don't know if you believe in prayer or not, but I'm going to pray that God blesses you in great ways. That being said, I'd love to know who you are. This sounds crazy, but let me buy you a meal sometime. No police, no history, no strings. I swear to the God that I serve that nothing will happen to you if you meet with me. You call the place, I'll pay. And it kind of went on, but then, so you wonder, am I going to get a response? He does. The guy emails back, which was eventually his undoing as well, but, um, the second, he emails back, uh, hey man, first off, I'm really, really sorry. If I had any idea you were a pastor, I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't rob us and you can ask us to pray at every event that you do, but, um, so I was just looking for some rich kid, and that didn't turn out to be you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. About the phone, I already wiped the entire thing clean, so blah, 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 blah. I'd really like to go to lunch sometime, talk about some things. I won't rob you again, I swear. Ha, ha. <laughs> Isn't this crazy? Then Victor emails back a bunch of other things. He's like, uh, anyway, um, give me a call on my office phone or email me back. And we'll uh, talk about when to grab some food, and they kind of try to set up a time. This guy was in Anaheim, you know. Victor grew up in Anaheim, and he he later on kind of shares his story with the guy. But um, but the guy's like, "Thanks a lot." He emails back, "I really need it. I feel lost in life, and I'm really sorry." You know, and he's like, he says, "It's my birthday." He's like, "Doesn't have anybody to hang out with on his birthday," and so they were trying to set up this meal. And then Victor shares with him in another email his story like about how he grew up in Anaheim, in the ghetto, in lots of ghettos. We moved around a lot because my mom couldn't afford to stay in places for a long time. We live in apartments, motels, our station wagon. Most of the friends I had from being a kid I can't talk to anymore because they're either in jail, dead, overdosed, or just got swallowed up. It's a way of life, and you either jump into it or it's hard to survive. And then Victor tells him about God's grace and the gospel of Jesus. I just think this is amazing, you know? Um... Now, the, the meal didn't end up happening because the police ended up getting the guy. Uh, and so he was in jail. Um, but, but uh, you know, just this pretty incredible display, I think, on Victor's part, just to, to speak well of him and the way that God is working in his life. To have a gun stuck in your face and instead of lashing out, you know, he, he gave forgiveness. And, and I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think that's the kind of thing that God has called us to do. Now, it didn't mean he didn't file a police report. It didn't mean that, you know, these sorts of, like, the the regular justice system took place. But at the same time, like, I think this guy is, was affected by that, you know? Affected by the things that he read and the things that, that Victor said to him. And so I want to encourage us to consider these kinds of, You know, acts of kindness. Like, what could we do? Whatever that would be, whether they're silly things, like not cutting somebody off in the freeway or not gossiping about the person that's wronged you or speaking well of that person to others and pointing out their strengths when they would point out your weaknesses cookies or i don't know whatever just to pray for them and pray for them privately not on sort of the gossip prayer chain you know to tell everybody about it but to actually pray for these people who've wronged you and i encourage you to do that i encourage you in whatever that is in your life so think about it okay think about who is this in your life Think about who is, you know, do you have conflict with people? Are there people that have done this to you, that have wronged you in some way? And this is in the back of your bulletin, these just steps for you to consider, okay? So consider who those people are or groups of people. If this is even just towards a large group of people, if that's political things or whatever, like lifestyles or whatever that might be, and pray for those people or groups of people. And ask God to quench that desire to have revenge upon them. And then to watch for opportunities to care for them. To display acts of kindness towards them. To see how will God open up opportunities for you to do that. And so that's what I would encourage you to do. Now, one way that we can even do that, uh, today is through this thing right here. So this is, this is called the 30 days of prayer for the Muslim world. Now, a lot of times we can kind of uh you know, throw all Muslims into, you know, that whole thing. Like this is a common thing I think for us as American Christians. It's like Muslims are our enemies, you know, and we know it's radical Islamic terrorists, those are the bad guys, right? So Muslims are people that believe something different than we do, that we would want them to believe and follow Jesus and experience his grace and forgiveness and salvation, right? Like, that should be our heart, yet we might have this thing of this group of people are our enemies, or we consider them those who've persecuted us. And so one way that this is just something we were going to be doing around now anyways, whether this sermon was on this or not... But these are available, these guides. They're here at the stations. They're out in the lobby. We'd love for you to, when you come to the stations, to grab one. Ways, 30 days of praying for the Muslim world. And what's also pretty cool is you, think, you look at page 19, and it talks about uh, the nominally Muslim in Albania. And so you know that we've had this kind of intentional effort of ministering to Albania with our sister church there with uh, Pastor Bertie. And actually, Ron Rogalski is there right now. Uh, and he would, be, he would have led worship today there at that church as part of his sabbatical time. He's there. But, the, but Islam is spreading across Albania. And so part of how we can pray is for God that Jesus would spread across Albania. Okay? So anyway, all of these things, these are ways that we can be you know, praying for those who we consider enemies and actually those who have done wrong against us. Again, easy to understand. Hard to actually do. So at today as we worship, I encourage you to be praying through that. We'll also be spending some time uh, taking communion. There's a communion at the stations where you can come and remember that sacrifice that Christ has paid for you. Through uh, the bread as we remember that Christ gave his body for us, that he died for us. And the shedding of his blood as we drink from the cup you have a chance to come and drop your offerings at the buckets as well or receive prayer at the different prayer points around the room. So as we worship, remember that and kind of pray through these things. All right, let's pray together now. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I I thank you, Lord, for your example. I thank you that, Lord, you did not wait for us to become your friend before you died for us but while we were still sinners, you did, Lord. But I pray that you would soften our hearts, God, and even break our hearts towards those who have done wrong against us. And for some of us, those wrongs are really, really, really tragic. And that's hard to do, God. So I pray that your spirit would begin to, to soften us and to break us. And for some of us, that stuff's really trivial, and we need to just move forward, God. And so I pray that you, your Spirit, would give us the strength to do that, to forgive our enemies, to love our enemies, to bless those who persecute us. And God, we know that we cannot do this on our own, that we would fail. But through your Spirit, we can. In Jesus' name, amen.